0: This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self Storage Income. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. Self Storage Income podcast, the place where we nerd out about self storage and yes I do actually love this financial vehicle I love self storage it's it's great I totally nerd out about it um it's fun and I was reminded that at our latest acquisition in Kansas City. And so me and Connor, we're talking today and we're like, we need to give a recap. I just got back. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I put videos, things, I I try to get better on that. I I know I'm not, I'm not very good at social media. I'm working at it, people. I want to show you guys what's going Dude, on. Don't
1: discredit yourself. You're, you're a total influencer. influencer okay? I'm a total influencer. <laughs> I,
0: I have some great glamour shots by Deb yeah. and um, put those up. Uh, it, it, we did put some stuff on our conversion for the Statesman too. I put some stuff yeah. up on there. Yeah. When I get done with this podcast, I'm going to go straight in and I'm going to put one on our new plans and show because it's just crazy. I was with the engineers on, oh, when was it, it was last week? It was right the day I left. So it had to be thir- Thursday. Thursday, 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 yep, Thursday like morning. And we had great news that come, came out from, uh, from that project and we could, how we could shell it out and the flow and everything go on. And that was really good because we had some concerns on that conversion, like asbestos and what walls could be taken out or not and access points. And then what the city would have to approve, because as it sits now in it's zoning, we can essentially, we don't have to go through planning and zoning, which is just like miracle. <laughs> yeah, um, doubt. So we can go in and start building basically immediately. And that saves Months, I mean, oh, dude, just crazy amount of time.
1: Yeah, no, it saves tons of time. I don't think people really realize. I mean, even if you do have a plan, kind of going in, you know, talking to cities, things like that. In my experience, whether you're building something or it's even just you know closing out a permit or something, I mean, we just had a bunch of permits that um, popped up that that were like from the early two thousands and even late nineties. Yeah. That we never even knew about, yeah. uh, that that were never finaled at this facility. So we had to go through the process of working with the city to get them finaled. Yeah, and I mean, right on and you're on. talking about, a I mean, that's been a month on its own and that's been yeah. pretty simple where it's like, oh, it's just this. Okay, we need to have this inspection done or that and, you know, we get it done.
0: Probably um, one of the things that people actually misjudge the most is the time it takes oh, just man. working with cities yeah. and counties and everything getting done. It can be painful. Yep, for sure. So that is a, a, a lot of good news, dude. <laughs> yes, it's <that's> going to be <laughs> very great. excited about that. Um, it's a huge project for us. Um, so that's going to be great. And I'll keep you guys in that. Um, that is our our conversion that we're doing. Um, the one that we're talking about in Kansas, which I just got back from, that's um, just our acquisition. We um, It's the 31st is the close date. So we did our ground walk, everything like that. Um, and man, am I excited about it. it? It, I haven't been this excited about a purchase for a while. Um, and I kind of want to talk about what makes it like, why I'm so excited about it. Um, and, it, uh, it's a good time to talk about two out of state investing. So, uh, before we get in this, I, I need to do some quick, quick housekeeping here. So we apologize for the last week or so. We're having some audio technical difficulties with the podcast. So we, a few of the podcasts we had to take down and republish back up, um, uh, because of audio, we've been in a transition, um, from the person that's handling that. Um, and it's kind of passed hands a couple of times, but we, we have somebody else on it. They're great. We're really excited about it. So I just want to apologize to everybody for the quality and the sound, um, as well as the, just the time and taking it down and getting some of the podcasts out, I know you expect more of us and I expect more of me too. So <laughs> um apologize. But with that said, we're moving strong and we have this uh, great recap. Um, we are going to dedicate a whole entire podcast on to finding um, facilities, the hunt. Um, we've done this in the past, but I'm actually going to break down in numbers and I'm going to talk about that. I don't want to do that today because I want to give this recap, which is important because it shows the it shows what we're looking for in facilities and kind of how we did. So that we're going to save for another one. Um, But this facility is one of those ones that you want to hunt down and you want to look for. Um, I think the best way that you can do it and how to find things is you have to be really hyper-focused on your criteria and what you're looking for and why you're looking for it. And Kansas, the Kansas facility that we got uh, it, Kansas city um, facility that we got it's, a hundred about a hundred thousand square feet, like ninety five thousand, hundred thousand square feet. We're picking it up at I don't know, sixty-five bucks a square foot, I think. It's under replacement cost. Um the actual work that needs to be done is very minimal. I mean, we're talking we need bollards set up. So part of it was built, was a little newer, looks great, but they didn't put bollards in, which is just a sure way to have people run into your buildings twenty-four-seven, as we know. Um, that's a, you know, okay, there's a little pro tip there. Um, if you think maybe a car could hit it, just put a bollard there. Just, yeah, yeah, just, just throw it in there. Install them around everything. Everything. (laughs) Um, definitely every corner of a building needs to have a bollard. (laughs) Yeah. Every corner. Um, and then we probably need to do some resealing, uh, whether we do that now or later. Other than that, it's in great condition. Um, the facility itself, though, operationally speaking, is where we derive our value from this facility. So this is what we would call a mom and pop facility. Generally speaking, when I think of mom and pop facilities, I think of they are they do not work on the operational side of the business, but they treat it as if it was a fourplex or an apartment building where they got somebody in there, it's leased up. They really don't want anybody to leave and they just want to be hands off. Um, They simplify it a lot. And, you know, I like to think is they cut out just, they probably get rid of 10% of the work, but then they lose like 50% of the profit. So just with a little more work, you can extract so much more value out of these assets. And so when, when we looked at it, there was a clear, clear differences in its marketplace. First of all, there was low square footage per capita. So there was high demand. There's a REIT as well as um, a couple of the largest operators in the world in that market. But there's still really, really low square footage, but all the rest of them, that's only three people in its large area, All the rest of the facilities in that are extremely, um, mom, pop. They're not, there's no marketing done. The website, if you call it that, I don't even, it's the placeholder on the internet. I think maybe is a good way (laughs) to look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they brag, you know, we're lower than everybody else's stuff around and we don't give people rate increases, things like that. They say on there and you're just kind of like, why? I don't understand why, but another pro tip.
1: Great sign. Yeah.
0: Great sign. (laughs) Wonderful sign. Um, and when we looked at the facility, we said, okay, through, they're they're obviously not doing revenue management. There's no dynamic pricing going on. Um, there's their ad spends of basically nothing. There's no online ability to coordinate lease ups. Um, And there is no professional look or feel about it. The lack of policies, procedures, the lack of attention to detail sales process. There's no add on sales, all these things, which is just music to my ears. And it makes me salivate. And uh, when we looked at it, um, this is a project that, you know, I put this online. A lot of you guys know, uh, Zach quick, um, who loves Zach. Uh, he brought it to our attention. It was an off-market deal. Once again, we love, and he went and he found it. Now Zach's Zach's awesome at storage. He's got like six facilities. Go back and listen to his podcast. We're going to do another one where we're going to talk about this facility more in depth after we close, um, because I want you guys to hear him. And I, you guys got he's got another deal too that he's doing, which we're going to have him on. But um, he's got mostly smaller deals. Um, he's, he's got six facilities. And so he came upon this one and it was, I don't want to say it was out of his wheelhouse cause he knows what he's doing, but it was, I think just a little larger and harder for him to take down. So he called me up, said, Hey, got this great deal. Why don't we go in on it together? I was like, thank you. Uh, yes, <laughs> you bet. Yeah. so, yeah, so he, he, he let us in and Zach's just. Fabulous to work with, a guy. He's just so nice. And um, he, we went down, I met him in Kansas and we went toward the facility. We talked to the banks and other operations. And this is one of the things that I wanna talk about when closing these deals and how this works. So you gotta line up a few things when you're closing the deal. So we've identified our great opportunity. Operational improvements, they have to happen and there's huge upside associated with them. And I know there's upside because it's been proven. This is important. I get a lot of people that will send performas. And in fact, you know, me and Brian, we're just looking at one today. And he sends his performa that he's saying, say, uh, saying Brian, that's Brian in our office, um, uh, Brian Milani, And he's does our wholesale. He looks at our deals and is helping us out there. We get this deal. It's like, I think they're asking 20 million for it. And it's not leased up. Um, of course, it's in California, which they'll probably get it. It's, I'm not going to comment on that, but um, and they'll probably actually get that much. Uh, but when you looked at the deal, they have in their pro forma a higher per square foot rate than anybody else in the entire city, which I say, awesome. But how how do you, you – because you come up with a valuation of $20 million based upon the cap rate. Their expense ratio was below 30, which on a facility at 100,000 square feet, and that doesn't make sense. Not happening. Um, And then they are the highest rate in town, Um, but it's totally unproven. So I dislike this greatly because I dislike making up numbers. And so when you look at this, I say, I have to benchmark off already existing demand. And I usually like to try to benchmark off that in the radius that's around. I need to have that top. I need to find the spread. The spreads where I have the find the money. So somebody coming in in a performa where they're saying, we're going to get over the market. We're not full. So we don't actually know if that's going to happen and we want you to pay for it. Um, We have to readjust the expectations that go into the models, which create the amount that we need to pay for them. Um, And I would never just go pay something at a revenue per square foot that's untested in an untested market and expect that to happen. I'm not saying it won't, everybody. I'm not saying it won't. But I'm saying to expect it is ludicrous. So when it happens, which it actually happens every time to us because we're the market leaders in all our markets. That's wonderful, and I'm very happy about it. That's a much higher return I get. But I don't sit down in my performa and sit there and say, "Oh yeah, we're we're definitely going to get twenty percent higher rates than everybody else in the market," even though that's never happened. And I'm going to go to the bank and tell them that, or tell potential investors, or something. "Don't don't don't make stuff up, guys. Look at it. Find the spread. If it works on the spread, it's going to be awesome when you beat it." And uh, this is really important to us. And this is really important to us when you're working with banks. So I have a I have a proven market leader at a price per square foot in revenue in that market that is over 20% higher than the facility that I bought. Now that doesn't mean that it's a go. First of all, one of the things I want to say is what I, one of the things I liked about it is there was multiple that proved that that could be reached. And then all the rest of the competitors are wonderful people. Um, they're just not very good competitors. And so when I look at that, I'm seeing everybody's hundred percent full. Nobody's doing online marketing, um, and their rates are reflective. So what that means is I can tell in that market marketer in, marketer in that market, good operators are getting a increase price for being a good operator. That's what I like. That's what I want to see because now I can clearly define the spread between what a bad operator and a good operator is doing. And I can maximize that. Um, That's what made this great. So when now on to the next stage, so we're going and we're inspecting. I got to look for the red flags. I got to figure out, is our manager going to come on board? Are they not? We had an interview. Are they going to be okay? Because, you know, the owner has been like, we don't raise rates. And also if, you know, you feel bad for the person, don't, they don't have to pay. I mean, it'd be nice if they paid us, but they don't have to, Um, you know, we get a manager like that and I come in and say, well, things are going to change. And I'm very upfront and, you know, it may not change how you like it. Um, We don't allow that to happen. And it was funny because I had a manager and they're like, well, that's either unfair or that's not nice or something else like that. And I'm like, well, no, hold on. You actually have this completely backwards. By letting that person that gives you a sob story or whatever not pay, you're now being dishonest, unfair to every single person that pays on time hundred percent. And that's true. That is so unfair and dishonest. And I absolutely think that's wrong. Why would I do it? Because the people that entrust us and they pay us and they pay on time. Well, I'm not going to then give the rewards to somebody else that doesn't. That doesn't even make sense. Um, So I have to explain this. We are fair in all our dealings. And if we say we're charging something and you have to pay on this time, you have to, just like everybody else, Right. And besides, this is a very low cost. So if you run into trouble, just call the bank, tell the grocery store or the power company and have them not charge you or pay. That'll make a way bigger difference than your storage unit will. Of course, the response is always, well, they're not going to do that. Oh, well, that's weird. It's like <laughs> it's like you gave them a service and they expect to get paid. Yep, so yep. Um, this is a big problem we have though when we're dealing with managers. It's probably one of the biggest problems um, because they're used to Letting things just slide. Letting things just go. And um, I actually think that leaves you open for a lot of liability. Because if you do that for one and somebody else can prove it, or then you say no to them, are you discriminating? On and on and Mm -hmm. on. Don't do that, people. You have
1: no set standards, no guide, no compass for anything. If it's written,
0: you do it. And you do it for one, you do it for all. Um, You cannot scale not doing that. And two, that's not. it's just not running a good business. Now, I'm not saying we don't work with people or anything else like that. There's a process that they go through, which we have just clear no's. Now, if there's legitimate reasons, especially things that have anything to do with us, our fault, I give every time on that. Um, When we have a unit and something went wrong in the facility and they suffered financially from it, we eat it. Um, so it, you know, you gotta be clear though, on those standards and those rules and how they work with managers. And when you're taking on a new facility, this can be a shock to the people like, you know, the former man, the former owner who just didn't want turnover, they wanted their occupancy at hundred percent and they didn't want anybody to leave. And so they just waived everything. We don't act like that. We in fact want there to be rotation in our facility. We want to be changing out. I want bad people to get out and I want to foster an environment of good people. We want to have a good facility. I want to reinvest in it. And if we're not managing it appropriately, we're not managing our business and it's going to fall apart. I don't want to do that to the community, nor my tenants that are paying and paying for a good product, safe product. They deserve it. That's why they're paying it for us. So we have to manage our revenues appropriately. Um, that went really well. The manager was very open. He's like, I understand. I'm acceptable. To change is really great. And that's rare. So I was very happy. We'll see how the implementation goes. We'll see if we can carry that forward. If it's not too much of a shock to a system, because we act more like a franchise, right? You know, you can't sit in the office and watch TV, right? We have work to do. This is a job. Um, I say that laughingly. And one of the facilities we bought, the owner told us that they were putting in a big screen TV for the manager because they have nothing to do. So he wanted to give them TV so they could watch TV all while they were at work. Um, that was And then you offered to write a check. And exactly. And I'm like, and here's <laughs> my checkbook. You write a number. Um, so when we, you know, when we're looking at that, it we got to be sensitive to the manager. And I'm very upfront with them. I don't, I, I try to be crystal clear. I don't want to lie. I don't want to be around the bush. It's going to change. And if we're not the right employer for you, I understand. And that's okay. We would love to have you though. Um, it's easier for us. It's better. Um, but if it's not, if, if we're not a right fit for you and you're not for us, we need to part ways and we need to go. And so when you're having these conversations with managers, have it up front, don't beat around the bush, tell them exactly what to expect. I told them I'm raising prices and you were going to get calls. Not me. You are. People are going to be pissed. And I apologize for that up front, but that's the job are you okay with that? Right. And I personally think people appreciate that. I think people like that when you just tell them how it's going to be, I'm not, Oh, it'll be fine or whatnot, because then they're like, of course it's going to be fine. You don't have to deal with the problems. Right. He's like, no, you're going to go back to where you live. And then I'm stuck here dealing with the problems. That's insensitive. And that's rude. Nope. I understand. I recognize a sacrifice and I recognize too, their life's going to suck for a few months because it will, it always does. It's just, it's without doubt you raise rates. The phone starts ringing. People start coming in. People are like, I've never had a rate or rate increase. And you're like, well, you're welcome. Um, but it's never how it works. And they never ever call the manager up to say, thank you for improving their facility. That never happens. Be aware that your manager takes crap and be respectful of them because they're taking it. So you don't have to. Um, and that's, I'm very grateful for that and my managers and I know what they go through. Um, so that went well. That's kind of the next thing on. Next uh, next thing we move on to from there, we did the inspection, we worked with the employee. Now we're moving on and I meet with the bank. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about on this and us finding these facilities and us bringing them on is your banking relations. First of all, um, talk to the people that are making decisions. Like you need to have a conversation with them if they're signing off on the loan, who is it? What are they signing off on? What do they like? What do they not like? Do they understand what I'm doing? Who I am? So we met with the head underwriter and the president of the bank. And we sat for almost two hours, took them out to lunch, and we had a conversation. And after that, they wanted to back us on all our deals in the region, including up through Iowa and across the Midwest. Um I am a cash flow guy, right? You know. Our other podcast is literally named Cash Flow to Freedom. Uh, you can check it out. We talk about all things business and finance. But with that said, um, I focus on not flipping. I'm not trying to offload. I'm not trying to generate profits up. I'm looking at increasing revenues, operations, stability, and then I'm making money and I'm taking that money, I'm redeploying that in my business, and I'm compounding. Banks love this because all the banks care about is that you're gonna pay their debt. That's it and when you cash flow you pay debt. And so when we show them the operations and when they understand how we're going uh going from it and I I guess cuz I'm an insurance nerd and I focus a lot on risk um I speak their language, right? Uh so it's I sitting down with them to show them first of all I'm the guy. I'm the guy you want to put money with and here's why. Tell them, how are you going to protect their capital? How are you going to be a partnership how are you going to make this good for them?
1: Well, and it's just like everything that you just talked about, where it's like, okay, we have this facility. It's ran this way. All I have to do is X, Y, and Z. Market rates that, like you said, again, are proven, are X, Y, and Z. I simply got to bring this facility up to what the market
0: yeah. is expecting. Your risk and- is that it's doing <laughs> what it's doing now, and that's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what they want to hear. That's amazing. And... By showing them that and the understanding that you have their back, that goes a long way, a long, long way. And people forget that economics business is a people game. You, you invest with people. You don't invest in products. If you do, it fails quickly. Um, Banks, they put their money with people. They want to see that you are someone of integrity, that you're thinking of them, that you're not out to screw them. And they want to see that you have foresight and that you're thinking in the future. And two, they want to see what your plan is when things go wrong. Oh no, this isn't going to go wrong. This is a home run. That's a red flag because things always go wrong. Always. Well, what's going to happen when you don't get those rates? What's going to happen when you lose 20% of your you know, because somebody in the neighborhood builds, if you're not talking about those things and addressing their concerns before they bring it up, then when you go away, they have all those concerns and they think, eh, he hasn't thought through this. They don't care if there's problems. They don't care if there's risk. They get it. There's going to be risk. There's going to be problems. They just care that you understand that and that you have a plan to solve it because they're not running those assets. They're not running those facilities. Be open, be transparent, be real with them and have a conversation and relate to them. And if you don't know, you say, I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to get back to you in writing, and I'm going to submit you my plan. Well, it's important, too, to to
1: walk them through a lot of this stuff because I don't know if – I don't know who you guys met with. But um, a lot of these credit unions and these other places that a lot of our listeners are most likely, most likely going to be dealing with – Regional, local banks. Yeah, yeah, haven't dealt with this asset class in nope. really – don't know a whole lot about it and are going to need somebody to walk them through and yes say exactly understand. you know, what this hat class, asset class is about.
0: And I walked the them ups, through competition downs. and why that matters yeah. and who's there. I also walked them through competition that's coming and how, what risk that's associated with, but why that's not going to be a problem for us on and on and on. You're right. If you don't walk them through it and they walk away, say, wow, I really understand this. He's really thought this mm-hmm. through. Then they're going to go, well, I can't give him money because I don't understand it. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't, I I don't feel comfortable. He does. You got to teach them. You got to educate them because they're bankers. They give people money and their job is to make sure the people that they give them money doesn't fail. They're literally investing in you. And it's important that you represent that well and you show your credentials. It's an interview, right? Um, And it's a partnership. And a lot of people look at it like you're supposed to give me money. Or people, I I hear people like, yeah, I turned something in and they rejected it. I'm like, oh, did you talk to them? No, they rejected it. And I'm like, why'd they reject it? Well, I don't know. I'm like, well, okay, there there's was, all your problems right there. There was
1: no conversation. There's no conversation.
0: <laughs> That's why they rejected it. You don't know why they rejected it. So yeah. how could you ever solve the problem? And when you say, oh, banks won't take me, well, why won't they take you? You know, and I. I, I have this with uh, people that we work with. They're like, well, banks won't take me because I haven't I don't have an experience. Okay, well, who's your joint venture partner that has experience that'll sign off on the banknote? I don't have one of those. Why not? So there's ways around it, right? Mm-hmm. There's ways to get it. I mean, we have that, we, we have that and we've been looking at doing that with other people where they're like, listen, honestly, they're like I'll give you 10% of the deal just because I need your name on it. Nothing else. I don't want you to run it. I don't even want you to be involved, but the bank's not going to do it with me because I don't have experience in this asset class. I put you on, I'll give you a 10% cut. You're on the bank note with me. The bank loves it. They get us in the deal. That's a small piece of the pie to give it somebody, you know, a, a joint partner to get the deal done and actually get a loan doc. And that's common in real estate.
1: Um, and again, going back to that. That you're you're saying you know present your resume to these people you know yeah these bankers and and so forth who's your team yeah you know who's your team and then what's your reputation like if you can go to a, another bank you know six months a year five years whatever it is later say yeah I went and you know I partnered with this guy I got mm-hmm. this deal done we did X Y and Z
0: like you're building that track you're building record. that resume yeah then the next time you don't need a partner and so. I think a lot of people walk away from banks and they walk away from financial partners and they're like, oh, they didn't want to give me a deal and everything like that. And they're like, okay, you sound a little entitled. They didn't need to give you anything. Figure out why and figure out how you can improve your situation or your position in the game to get it done. Yes, it's life. Sometimes we have to give on things we didn't want to give on, but... The point is to do the deal. The point is to get one. And if you have a good enough deal, you need to be able to express that. And if you have a good enough deal, you're going to have people that are going to want a partnership and you're going to have banks that are going to want to give you money as long as you have the right team. And one of the things we do when we propose our deals to banks and everything, we built, we show our entire team and we show here, here's who we have. Here's who we partner with. Here's our council. Here's all this kind of stuff. So they go, oh, good. Okay, you've thought through this. It's not just you. It's right. So lowering that risk to banks. So that anyways, that conversation went great. Um, and then we walked away from there and the appraisal came in, and the appraisal appraised at a million more than we were buying it for, which everybody loves that. First time it's ever happened. Um That's but it's amazing.
1: It's just we, as a comparison, what have other facilities come back at?
0: Uh we have facilities that came back under and we couldn't yeah. get the same lending. Mm-hmm. amount um i'm not i'm gonna refrain from telling my true feelings on appraisers uh, the appraisal business uh but <laughs> i could only imagine yes so uh <laughs> um but usually speaking uh, let me okay i'll give you some some ways to work work with this, and this is important to know it goes back to what we were talking about about, about the banking situation people always think like oh either i have to be accepted things like that i just hate that. I just don't leave it up to other people. So immediately what happened is we were getting the appraisal done and the appraiser's firm got COVID or something and they couldn't get it done. So they gave it to another appraiser and he had to get it done by the 26th and he'd just been hired. It was a whole thing, right? It always is. There's always something. And so I go, okay, great. And they're like, And I'm like, have you talked to him? If Nope. And I go, perfect. Give me his number. And they're like, what? I'm, Give me the appraiser's number. So they gave me the number. I had an hour conversation with the appraiser. Let me tell you why this is such a good deal. He said, oh, wonderful. What do you think it's worth? By the end of our conversation, 7 million, maybe 8. Well, guess what it came back as. And the reason being is the appraiser doesn't know. He takes comps. He takes comparables. So guess what I did? I did it for him. Gave him comps, comparables, gave him numbers, all our data, sent it to him. Fantastic. He... Like, how are they supposed to know? You know not know.
1: Well, again, like, we were just talking about going to the bankers because, you know, talking to them, walking them through it so they understand. Again, you kind of have this perception you that everybody – deal. Right. You kind of have this perception that everybody just knows everything about all this stuff, right? Like when you're getting into it. Yes, it's like...
0: you do. You think that there's like the the adult in the room, right? You're like, <laughs> exactly, okay, yeah. so I got to go talk to the adults now. Yeah, and, yeah. It's like the They're appraisers.
1: Yeah, the appraisers have no idea. The bankers no. have no idea.
0: It's like you've got to show them. you got to you show know? them. That's fantastic, dude. That's a really good piece and of advice. when you, after you get done and you walk through it too, the thing about it is the deal's in my control. And I'm letting everybody know. Mm-hmm. I'm letting the bankers know. I'm letting them know. This is my deal. Let me tell you what it's worth. Let me tell you its value. Let me tell you why it's worth. Now, if you do that and you're wrong, yeah, that's not going to look pretty, right? Because you're going to go and they're going to say, "Well, actually, you didn't do your research, and did you know about this?" And then you start going, "Oh crap, I uh, missed that, or I didn't know that." And then they go, "Now we have to really dig into you, because we got to start looking and we got to see what's going on." Um, they were confused a lot about or even our simple business structure. I think our business structure is a little more complicated than most because we own a lot of different businesses and assets and things like that. So we have to create a whole. Org chart of all the businesses we own and all the assets and who they're filed under and everything. But when it came down to it, I said, Listen to the bank. I said, You see, all this, this is what's important for you to know and understand. All control of every single asset that I own remains with me. I make the decisions. It's my control. I come to you and I'm responsible. They like that. They like simplicity. Banks don't like complicated. Who has to say what? Who's on the bank note? No, you don't need anybody else. I take responsibility for this. You come after me if something goes wrong and I'll make it whole. And I'm the one that has control of the deal and I'm making it work. They love that. So you got to make sure they understand who's responsible, who's making the decisions. You get five people that have control over an asset and they don't know who or what these people are doing, how they're doing it. That increases risk for the bank. It makes them uncomfortable. Simplify it, right? So even though this one, we're actually taking on investors for, right? It was we made and we're putting out a thing for the investors like listen, you gotta be under um whatever whatever it was, twenty-five percent, thirty percent. You gotta uh be under thirty percent because I'm not gonna allow you to be on the bank note, because not only does that make things more complicated, but that incurs risk on the investor, which I don't know, uh and understand, and that needs to be on me. I'm taking full responsibility. Um, banks love that. Once again, you're telling them I'm in charge, I'm running this deal. I have experience. I know what's going on. And they're like, oh, thank goodness. You're the adult here because they're not. Mm -hmm. And so now when it comes to banking, they're the adult. I'm not, right? And so it needs to be that marriage. They need to be bankers and they need to do a good job at that. And you need to be the investor. So a lot of really good meetings. I spend a lot of time with these people. We call them. I put them first. I make them know it because they are strategic partners. Don't try to use and abuse people. Once again, long-term thinking, not short-term. And when you go in and say things like, two years, this thing's going to be worth 10 million and I'm going to make 3 million on this and you're going to get paid back stuff. Those are just red flags because now you sound like a speculator. And banks are like, I don't get that increase. So why do I care? I get my 4% interest. The only thing I care about is reducing risk. Walk them through, make sure things are simple, Make sure they understand, make sure you're, you, uh, have open chains of communication. Don't ever, ever tell a bank, you don't want to give them something. I've had people say that they're like, I don't want to give the bank these things. I'm like, well, then don't go to banks. Um, you need to be as absolutely open as possible. And if there's anything in your past or in your current situation, that's not good. Tell them up front. Do not let banks find that out on their own. You tell them and you say, Hey, listen, six years ago, life was rough, right? Right. Got caught up, medical expenses, whatever. I lost my home. I want you to know that. I want you to know. Here's what's been done to uh, to uh, fix it. Here's where I'm at now, and here's what I'm doing. You present that to them up front. You don't let them come and dig and ask questions. The more they have to dig, the more unreliable or not forthcoming you seem. Nobody's perfect. That's fine. Just be up front with it. So, after you get done working on financing the bank, you have your partners and everything, which we're on now. Then we had our meetings today where we're doing the transition and we're getting ready to move the asset over. Now we're talking about everything from timing when we're going to institute things, raising rates, and implementation of the asset. Um, for this, in generally speaking, we're buying this into the fall, which is not my favorite time to buy because it's harder to be aggressive on rates, even though we're going to. So you usually see a little dip in occupancy because springtimes times are busy season, but we'll be set up nicely to fill it right, right back up. And I don't, there's so much demand, I don't expect anything big. All in all home run. I'm I'm really excited about this one, a great trip. And uh, once again, we were talking about today and we're like, we got to talk about this and share that information. Here's the meetings, everything we're going, because I think it's helpful for you guys to see why it's happening, right. And see, understand what's going on. Um, and I put videos of it and everything on my Instagram, AJ Osborne too. So if you follow it, you guys can actually see these things and see what's happening. So it's pretty good. It was a good one.
1: Pretty good is uh, definitely an understatement. Like you said, total home run. Super excited about it, and um, definitely uh, just a prime example to walk everybody through. Uh, I mean, it is a textbook example yeah. of, of everything that we always talk about. Our wish list. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, dude, couldn't couldn't wish for something any better, any, any better than this. And we'll, so. and
0: we'll let you guys know how it goes. I, I mean, we'll keep you updated everything from rate increases, all that. So, um, and we'll start here in the next month on geez, two of our conversions. I got our Iowa one, one now. I just saw things. I don't know if everybody heard about what happened over there in Iowa, but they like had a inland hurricane or something. It's just crazy. And I, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Brian, Brian, um, who, who's our uh, partner over there is working on, on the conversion. Um, he sent me like videos and everything. It was like, it was something like 50% of all the trees in Cedar Rapids were destroyed. Like just ripped to crazy. bits. It totally crazy. Huh. There ain't anything like it. Yeah. Um. So thoughts and prayers out to those guys. Cause I yeah, definitely, you know, we're, we're in election season. That's all everybody even hears about it. I didn't even know he, he didn't have like,
1: dude, I he, haven't even heard anything yeah, he, about it. He, yeah. There was
0: no, yeah, I think he had internet cell service was gone. I mean, it just like a massive, like tornado wow. almost just leveled the place.
1: Yeah. That's gnarly.
0: Yeah. Well. But we'll keep you updated on how all that goes. And those conversions start anyways, everybody, once again, Hey, we want to give some more housekeeping things here too, because, um, we are trying to get together to get to everybody on the calls. Um, we talked about this last time. If you guys want or t- calling us though, because of a deal or investing with us, and you're going to the website, list that on there. And we have, um, both, um, Brian and Kaylee, Brian's head of the deals, uh, acquisition department and Kaylee's investor relationships. We're getting you guys straight to them immediately because we want to, in touch, and we don't get it. So I'm trying to prioritize and still get to everybody in our 15 minute calls. Um, we're doing it. I'm doing lots of those hours and hours a week. Um, so we just have a lot of them. So if you think, oh, AJ hasn't called me, I'm like, well, there's over 200. So it's just going to take me a little time, everybody. And by little, I mean a lot. But I'm getting there, and I'm going to talk to all of you guys. Um, I love helping you guys out with different investment stuff. It's just been awesome. I can't thank you guys enough for the support for the book for this podcast. Um, once again, if you guys share on Instagram or anything like that, if you guys even message me on Instagram, I can make quick videos to get back, share the book or the podcast on Instagram. I'm sharing it back. I, I We really appreciate the support. We're trying to give as much value to you guys as we possibly can. That's the number one most important thing for me and Connor. So thanks everybody. They Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Thanks a ton guys. And uh, we'll catch you next time.